What I do want to do this morning is we're going to press pause on the series uh, because I want to share some things with you that we've sort of been working on uh, in this, uh, this summer. So um, to get us headed in that direction, right, I, a few weeks ago, stumbled across a, a news article and the headline, let me make sure I get it right, the headline was, here's why people abandon church and the right way to fix it. So, I mean, naturally, I'm like, huh, how about that? Now, to be fair, I am not so naive to believe that there is any sort of quick fix to people abandoning the church, right? It didn't start overnight, didn't happen overnight. It's not going to be fixed overnight uh, outside of some miraculous supernatural work. Uh, but, right, being the nature of my position, I'm like, that sounds interesting. I'm going to read that article. And so uh, the, the article was basically like this synopsis of like a, a nationwide study, and, and what it found was that 80%, let me make sure I get this stat right, 80% of all Sunday church attendees in the United States grew up in a continuously married home with both biological parents. Right? They surveyed the landscape uh, of, of kind of the, the church world, church attendance, and, and what they found through their survey was that of those that are still in the church, committed to the church, have not abandoned the church, 80% of those grew up in a, a continuously married home with both biological parents, okay? In fact, here's one of the, as they sort of summarize the article, here's one of the conclusions that they, they arrived at. It said, uh, evangelicals must foster healthy, Christ-centered marriages for a faith revival to take root. Right now, again, my... My card's on the table. My conviction, you cannot manufacture a revival. Okay, that's just kind of where I stand. But I do think there are things that we can do as the people of God that, uh, that, that would in, sort of invite the Spirit to do a special work among us. Right? Confession, repentance, fasting, prayer. Right? I do think there are things that we can do that would say, Lord, we, we want to see you work here. Right? And, and if there's any nugget of truth in this article, could it not be that one of the things we can do if we want to see the Lord do something uh, amazing in our church and through our church, uh, outside of the walls of this church, could it not be to, to foster healthy, Christ-centered, God-honoring marriages? Right? So that's what, we, that's what we want to strive for. It's what we want to do. That's the direction uh, that we're, we're going to go this morning that brings us to our text. Ephesians 5, I like what Luke did last week, so I'm going to steal it. And actually, he stole it from Nehemiah 8, so, you know, no harm, no foul. So if you would, if you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Paul writes this. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. One of the first things that that stands out sort of in that passage, right, is that uh, husbands and wives are are called to different roles and responsibilities within uh, the, the context of marriage, right? There's instructions for Wives in verses 22, 23, 24. There's a lot more instructions for husbands in verses 25 through 31. And, and the instructions for wives and for husbands are not the same because newsflash, men and women are not the same. Right? Now we'll talk about those individually in just a moment, kind of get into a little more of that. But, uh, but I just think in the day in which we live, it is worth Anytime you get the chance, it is worth recognizing that part of God's good design uh, for marriage, and then zoom out, part of God's good design for humanity and human flourishing, right, is that men and women are different, right? They are, and, and listen, I'm not talking just about anatomy or biology or reproductive organs, though that is a crucial part of it, right? I'm talking about in, in God's good design for humanity, there are are roles and responsibilities that men and women have, that God calls us to uh, sort of respectively. If you want a fancy theological word you can impress your friends with, this is what we would call uh, complementarianism. It's just this idea that that men and women are are equal in dignity and value and worth. Men and women are equal in that we are created in the image of God, but... Men and women have different roles and responsibilities because they are men and women, that God has ordained this. And those differences sort of play out primarily in uh, in the church, but but what we're going to look at this morning is also those those differences play out in in the family and in the home. Okay, So there's a lot more that that could be said about that, probably should be said about that. That could be a sermon. Gosh, that could be a whole sermon series for another day. Okay? But... I mean, anytime I get the chance, I just want to say, like, in a day in which, like, gender distinctions are, are kind of something that's frowned upon or uh, something that's trying to be minimized or rejected altogether, I just want to encourage you to lean in and say, this is God's good design for his creation, right? It is not something negative that we should uh, sort of eradicate, Right? This is part of God's good design for marriage. Again, zoom out, part of God's good design for humanity. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And we want to lean into what God has, has ordained, what God has, how he has created us. All right? So um, with that said, men, women, different right? by God's design. But let's look at those individually, right? starting with 
wives. Go back to verse 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So to put it as directly as I can, right? Paul's Holy Spirit-inspired word to wives is to submit to your husbands. Now, I know that does some things in the world we live in, right? You're like, whoa, wait a second, all right? Now, let me, so let me give you a few, few things to consider. All right, here, here it is. First, the text says, wives, submit to your husbands. The text does not say, husbands, make your wives submit. Right? That is a significant distinction. Right? It's, it's God who calls wives to submit to husbands. So men, it is not your job to demand your wife's submission. Right? It's not, it's, the Holy Spirit will work. You are not the Holy Spirit. Right? It's God's God has called wives to submit, not husbands. So let's, out of the gate, let's make it clear. This command from God to women, to wives, to submit to their husbands, is it by no means some, uh, like it, it does not give men the right to exercise some sort of uh, oppressive or abusive authority over their wives. Right now, now, wicked, sinful men will take God's word and twist it, and what, but what I'm telling you is that is not what's happening here, right? Because I would, I would say the kind of men who feel the need to sort of coerce and demand their wife's submission are the kind of men that are not living up to what God has called them to in the verses that follow this, right? But anyways, we'll get to that in a minute. Here's the second thing. So not only is it God who calls wives to submit, um, but there's, there's an addendum that comes with this. It says, wives, submit to your own husband's as to the Lord. Okay, in other words, a, a, wife's, a wife's submission to her husband is, is not in addition to her submission to the Lord. A wife's submission to her, her husband insofar as he is leading her to the best of his ability, the way that God has him to lead. A wife's submission to her husband is part of her submission to the Lord. It's an integral part of submission to the Lord, right? Because again, this is God's word to wives. And so a, a reluctance or a, or a hesitancy or an outright refusal to submit to uh, God's call on, on your life to submit to your husband is a refusal to submit to the Lord, period, right? Can, can, listen, you, you don't get to, and this is for all of us in any scenario, we don't, we don't get to say like, Yes, Lord, I will submit to your word except for that part that I don't like. Right? We don't get to do that. Right? It's, it's all or nothing. Okay? So, so listen, wives, we submit, not we, I'm not a wife, submit to your husbands, again, in so much as he is leading you to the best of his ability in the way that the Lord has. And listen, he will not do it perfectly. He will, I mean, he's going to fail, and he's going to be flawed, and he's going to make terrible decisions, 
But if he's striving and trying and he's not leading you into sin, it is a good and right thing to submit to your husband's headship in the home. Right now, here's what I know. That looks good on paper. Sounds good on paper. Right, but real marriages don't play out on paper, do they? Real marriages happen in the context of real life, right, where there's real problems and real struggles and real challenges. Right? Now, if you know this or not, there's no such thing as the perfect marriage. Okay? And so, like, what, what about when the wife is more spiritually mature than the husband? Right? Because let's, from my ministry experience, that's probably like true more often than not. Right? What, is a, what does a wife's submission look like then? Right? What, about when the, what about when the husband's an unbeliever? What does submission look like then? Right? What, about, uh, what about when submitting to your husband would be sin? Like, what, about, what about that? What does submission look like then? Because right? all of these are realities in the, the broken world that we live in. Right? Again, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage because there's no such thing as perfect husbands. There's no such thing as perfect wives. And so I don't have time to address all those nuances, but here, here's what I would say. Right, if you're hearing this and you're, you're like, okay, I know I'm supposed to submit to my husband, but this marriage that we're in is not exactly ideal for whatever reason, I would just encourage you. Right? You're not in it alone. Right. Part of my job as your pastor is to help you. Part of our job as a church family is to help you navigate that so that when you find yourself in a marriage, and you're like, man, I, I want to be obedient to the Lord's word, but I don't know exactly what submission looks like in this specific scenario. Like, We're here to help, or at least to pray for you if we don't know how to help. Right? But, but you've got to acknowledge you're not in it alone, and you've got to invite us into that right? to let us help. So, so that's wives, submit to your husbands. There's what Paul says here, but we're going to shift our focus uh, to the husbands. And, and here's what I promise. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to beat you over the head. Okay. Most sermons, from my experience, most sermons, uh, two husbands and wives, here's what happens. We, we talk to wives and we're like, you are snowflakes and princesses and just queens. And then, we, and then we go to husbands and we're like, they're like dogs that have made a mess and we rub their nose in it and just, like, that's not helpful. Right? I think God has called us as men to a really high and holy calling. And so I have no desire to like beat you over the head with your failures. What I want to put before you is this is what God's called you to. So you might live up into it. All right. So notice the words to husbands, verse 25. Husbands, what's the next word? Love your wives. Right? Not lead your wives. Not exercise authority over your wives. Right? Not rule over your wives. Not, not domineer over your wives. But what? Love your wives. And then the Holy Spirit in his omniscience knows, or knew when he inspired these words, that we would like, some years down the road, really distort that word love, right? Like, 
Like we take the word love and we apply it to different things that we clearly don't actually love to the same degree. Right? Like I love my wife. I also love Qdoba. Right? So, so the, the Spirit gives us like, okay, love your wives. Let me give you a sort of a, a qualifier so you know exactly what that means. Right? Love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's like the Spirit knew that us men, we just like give us something tangible. We need something to see, like something we can wrap our minds around, like give me an example that I can follow, and here it is. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. So then the question becomes, okay, how does Christ love the church? Glad you asked. You can look at the next few verses. Verse 25, it says, uh, Christ gave himself up for the church, right? Sacrificed for the church. Right? Verse 26, he sanctifies or, or grows and matures the church. Verse 27, he nourishes and cherishes the church. Right? So husbands, here's, if we're going to condense all that down into sort of one statement, here's, here's our marching orders from, again, the spirit-inspired pen of Paul. Husbands, we are to selflessly and sacrificially serve our wives in ways that promote and encourage their spiritual growth and maturity. Like, that is our high and holy calling. Right? To, to sacrificially, selflessly serve in ways that, that promote and encourage their spiritual growth and maturity. Now, this all falls under, again, we're going back to look at what God calls wives to, to submit to their husband's headship in the home, right? So this call to, to selflessly sacrifice and serve and love, right? This falls under like husband's headship. This is what it means to be the head of your home. And I would say that does not look anything like the world's idea of headship, right? That's not... It's not about authority. It's not about power. It's not about control. It actually, as God does quite often, flips it on its head. Right? Because we're called, men, we're called to prioritize the needs of someone else above our own. That doesn't look like the world's idea of headship at all. It actually kind of looks like what he called wives to, right? Submission to consider the needs of someone else above my own and submit myself to their needs so that their needs become more important and prioritized over my own. All right, that kind of looks like submission. And really, if you bounce back up, we didn't read the verse, but the verse right before this section. So if you bounce back up to verse 21, Paul writes this. He's, he's talking about all believers, but he says that we are to submit to one another. So that's regardless of your, your gender, regardless of your relationship, like husband, wife, like, like to a degree we're called to submit to one another, to consider the needs of others above our own. So here's, like, here's where a wife's submission and a, a husband's selfless, sacrificial uh, love sort of Meat, mix and mingle, right? God is not calling wives into some sort of oppressive drudgery. Right? That's, that's not what he's called, called you to. Right? He's actually 
you take this whole passage, right? Verses 22 all the way down to verse 33. God is calling husbands, men, into a high, high standard. And the, the paradox is, is the high standard he's calling them to is to stoop low and to serve and to selflessly give and sacrifice for the spiritual nourishment and maturity and growth of his wife. Right? Like, what wife that is serious about her pursuit of the Lord would not want to submit to that kind of headship in the home? Right? The, what wife would not want to submit to a, again, I should clarify that, what wife that is serious about loving Jesus and following God's word would not want to submit to a husband who said, I'll, I'll sacrifice, I'll give, right? I'll deny myself in order so that, that you might be presented spotless, blameless, that you might grow and mature and flourish. Like what, what wife would not want to submit to that? Right? right? There's, there's nothing oppressive about submitting to that it's, and it's all of this is a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for his church. Because right, this is what Christ said. He, he saw his people in all our sin and shame and helplessness. And he humbly, willingly, gladly, Hebrews 12 says, joyfully, sacrificed his life, right? put the needs of his people, their salvation, their sanctification. He put the needs of his people above his own comfort, his own convenience, and he gave his life right, for his church. And he, he did so to present us, his people, his church, spotless, blameless, before God, that we could be reconciled to him. Right, this, and like this is the kind of sacrificial love that God calls us as husbands to. Right, now, let's get really practical. Right, a, a wife's submission, a husband's sacrificial love for his wife, that's what we're after. Okay, but again, that doesn't play out in a vacuum. It plays out in the world we live in, which again, marred, broken by sin. Right? Which means that a wife's submission, a husband's sacrificial, selfless love and service, like they won't always come easy. It's a good thing you didn't say amen. Okay, that would have been really uncomfortable for your car ride home later. Okay, like we're constantly trying to do these things while we're battling our own sin and our own selfishness, uh, countless distractions and discouragements that, that make the pursuit of a healthy, godly, Christ-honoring marriage really, really challenging, right? Like it's, I mean, this is spiritual warfare, right? This is marriage, if, if we're... Taking God at his word here, marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. You better believe the enemy is going to go after anything that could distort that to a watching world. Right? So, so marriage is it's hard. It's hard work. 
right? It, if you walked in here married this morning, you know this is true. And again, you're not going to acknowledge it because you're sitting right next to your spouse, but you know it's hard, right? We know it's hard. And so what we want to do is, is help you. When I say we, I mean as a church, we want to help you in a really tangible way, right? Not just throw out like ideas and be like, go figure it out. Okay, but we want to help you in a really tangible way. And so we're going to uh, I want to introduce to you a, a ministry partner that we're going to be uh, hopefully working with this fall. Uh, we are definitely going to be working with them. It's just a matter of to what capacity. Um, but it's, it's an organization called Grace Marriage. I'm going to explain more about them in just a minute and how you can get involved. But first, I want you to check out this short video. So full disclosure, I had to watch that video like 13 to 15 times this week so that I didn't get a little emo up here. So... I had to desensitize myself to it. Um, here's, when I say practical, we're going to get really practical, okay? Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay out sort of our tentative plan for grace marriage so you know exactly what to expect, exactly how you can get involved, all right? And I'm going to stick really closely to my notes because I know myself well enough to know that if I try to explain this from memory, I'm going to butcher it, all right? So here's tentative plan. I say tentative because, quite honestly, a lot of this is going to depend on how many of you sign up to go on this journey with us. Okay, so beginning in mid-August, we are uh, tentatively going to start a uh, midweek small group meeting for Grace Marriage. Okay, it'll meet on Wednesday meetings here at our South Wilson campus. Springfield campus is doing this as well. Both of us meeting at our own, our own locations. Okay. Uh, and then in addition to that, okay, so we'll have a meeting for, for uh, married couples, grace marriage, and then running sort of parallel with that, uh, we're going to have programming for our children, midweek programming for our children, so that uh, you show up, bring your, your kids if you got them, right, let them drop them off, check them in, let them learn about Jesus' love for them, then you come on in here, and we're going to have a, uh, a, just a, a session specifically for Married couples, all right? Then, some logistical stuff, okay? The sort of small group portion of this is a 12-week thing. Like it's a 12-week 12 uh, 12 process. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to split those 12 weeks up um, into six-week sections, one in the fall and then one in the spring. Okay, so, so if you sign up to take this journey with us, uh, six weeks of small group in the fall, six weeks of small groups, six weeks of small group in the spring. But then let me drive that home a little deeper. Okay, um, in the fall, and then we'll repeat this in the spring, but I'll just talk about the fall. In the fall, we're going to run two six week sessions back to back. It'll be the same six weeks. Right, so we'll run the first six weeks of, of, the, uh, of the content, and then we're going to start all over again with the same six weeks. Okay? And then if you stick with us, in the spring, we'll do the second six weeks. And we'll, so, but here's the reason for that. Okay? It's because I want you to come. I want you to sign up. I want you to get involved. I want you to invest in your marriage for six weeks. Okay, this fall. 
and then I'm going to unapologetically ask you if you would be willing, because I can't force you, (laughs) to also come for six weeks, whether it's the first six weeks or it's the second six weeks, but whichever one you don't come to the small group portion, I'm going to unapologetically ask you to serve in our children's ministry so that those families also get a chance to be in here and invest in their marriage. Okay? Right? I, I want everyone that has an opportunity or has a desire to do so to have the opportunity to do so. Okay? And I'm going to be, it's going to be straight with you. For this to happen, like, we need more hands on deck. Okay? We just do. In fact, um, here, let's, let's have a family chat. Can we have a family chat? If you are a guest with us, uh, you can check out here if you need to make lunch plans or put on earmuffs. We're going to have a little family discussion. Um, so, we have a wonderful issue in our children's ministry. Okay, we have, let me back up, we, we have uh, national averages statistics would tell you that about 21, per, you take the average church, about 21% of their weekend worship attendance is children birth through fifth grade, about 21%. I don't know what we are this morning. Last Sunday, we were 50%. If you're keeping score, that means for every two adults that were here, I'm sorry, yes, for every two adults that was here, there was one child. That's stupid. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's, but it's like, it's hard. Okay, it's really hard. Um, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. That's absurd. That's a better word. That's That's absurd. Okay, now here's what that tells me, at least two things. One, we have been faithful to God's word, two marriages to be fruitful and multiply. Right, we have done that part well. Two, it tells me that, that we are kind of slowly trending younger. Both of those things are good, beautiful things. Okay, but can we be honest? It does not do us a bit of good to boast of a growing children's ministry or a church trending younger if we don't have hands to serve children and families. Okay, in fact, and listen, before I was here, I was in student ministry, I was in family ministry. In fact, here's the best way to, uh, the best way to kill a, a growing children's ministry or ministry to young families is to not have enough hands on deck to serve them. That's the best way to kill it. So I'm asking with you, pleading with you, come invest in your marriage. Okay. But also when we reach out and we ask you and we say, Hey, would you please be willing to on the six weeks that you're not in here investing in your marriage? Will you, will you serve in our kids ministry? I'm just asking you to prayerfully consider it. Now listen, we're not just going to throw anybody in there, okay? We got all the background checks, all the stuff in place, okay? So we're not just, we're not just picking up people off the street and saying like, hey, go serve our kids, right? We're gonna, we got everything in order. But I'm just asking you, I'm just asking you, would you consider it, right? Would you consider it? So, now, hey, I love you guys. I feel like I should say that after that talk, okay? You can take your earmuffs off now if you had those on. Um, anyways, uh, 
couple more things about this, more logistical things, and then we'll, we'll move on. I'll try to put a bow on it. So generally speaking, churches are really good about sort of investing uh, in couples before they get married, premarital counseling. I have the joy of doing some of that right now. Um, but historically speaking, in the church world, we invest on the front side, and then the church doesn't really show up again until the marriage is about to crash into the side of a mountain. Okay? And so here's what grace marriage is. It's for that gap. Right? It's for married couples who, there doesn't have to be anything wrong with your marriage. By signing up to participate, you're not saying my marriage is in trouble. Okay? This is not marriage counseling. This is not marriage therapy. You are in no way saying my marriage is in trouble. It's on the rocks. I don't know what to do. I need help. Now listen, if your marriage is in trouble, I hope you'll sign up and participate with us. But, but by signing up, you're not saying like, man, this thing is a dumpster fire. I need help. Okay? What you're doing is you're just investing you're, it's, it's marriage enrichment, right? You are making deposits in the account so that you don't wake up one day and realize we are bankrupt. Right? That's what grace marriage is, okay? And then, so it's, this, is for, this is for newlyweds. This is for young married. This is for people who aren't as young as they once were and are married. This is for... Marriages that are healthy. This is for marriages that are in trouble. This is for anyone that's married. Come sign up. Come be a part, okay? And then because I want to be up front with you, there is a financial commitment to it, okay? This is not, like, we don't benefit from this financially as a church at all. In fact, you don't even pay us when you sign up. You pay them all. Let me, let me back up and tell you what you're paying for. That would make it a little easier to swallow probably, um, so the, the small group session is like 12 weeks, okay? But you get materials for the entire year, okay? So it's not, that's my understanding. It's not just 12 weeks of materials. It's 12 weeks of small group, but you're going to get stuff to, uh, to kind of work on your marriage or invest in your marriage all throughout the year, okay? So you got 12 months worth of material. Uh, all that said, okay, all the materials, resources, books, all that, comes to, for the entire year, uh, between $100 and $120 a couple, depending on what shipping method you choose. All right? Now, if there's some sticker shock in that, here's what I would say. Look at it this way. You are investing $10 a month in your marriage. Okay? If you're still like, mm, I don't know, pastor. It's a lot of money then here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your spouse and I want you to say, you're not worth $10 a month to me. <laughs> I'm joking, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. All right. <laughs> That's awful. Don't, don't do that. You will end up in my office for counseling if, if you do that. Okay? Here, here's what I'll say about that. Okay? If, <laughs> if money is an issue. If you're like, hey, I cannot pay 100, 100, 120 bucks right now. I get it. So here's what I would say. If money is the thing that's keeping you from participating, you come see me. Right? We will find a way to work this out. We will not let something as temporary and fleeting as money keep you from investing in your marriage. 
Okay, we'll, we'll work out a payment plan. We'll do whatever we got to do. And then I would say even on top of that, uh, there are generous people, really generous people that call Valley Creek Baptist Church home. Okay, I'm confident that money will not be what stops anyone from participating if you want to participate. Okay, so I know all of that was like drinking out of a fire hydrant. So after service today, I'm going to be at the table right outside of this door. If you have questions about grace marriage, uh, I will do my best to answer your questions or I'll write your question down and I'll go find the answer and get back to you. All right? Now, let's wrap this thing up. So here's what I want to do. Of all the things that we could choose to focus on this fall and into the spring, Lord willing, as, as a church, why, why marriages? Right? Like, there's a million things we could focus on. Like, there's other things I want to focus on, but why would we start here? All right, and let me, let me read this. Look back at verses 31, 32. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And catch this. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. There are few more tangible, uh, sort of visual representations of God's love for his people, of Jesus' love for his people, than a healthy, Christ-centered marriage. Right, so not only do I want healthy marriage for you and for your home and for your family, I want healthy marriages for our church Right, because ideally we would walk out of these walls and we'd interact with people in the spaces and places that we, we live and play and work. And, and how amazing would it be for people to look at our marriages and say, wait a minute, you're, you're telling me there's a God who, who loves me like that? You're telling me that there's uh, a Savior who selflessly sacrificed himself for me in the way that, that you are sacrificing for your wife? Man, I want some more of that. Tell me more about that. Right? I'm just convinced, man, that, that one, of the, one of the easiest sort of apologetics that we might give to a, to a watching world is just a healthy marriage. Right? And listen... Not only is it a good apologetic for a watching world, if you're married, would you not want your marriage to be better, healthier? Right? Even if your marriage is healthy, would you not want to do what you can to invest in it to ensure that it stays that way? Right? And so as we move to kind of a response time, here, here are my prompts. Okay, I've got, uh, how many have I got? Four. Four prompts. Here's the first one. If you are married and you are able I would encourage you to sign up and join us this fall. I would love to take as many of you on this journey as possible. And if you'd like to sign up, I'll be at the table in the lobby. All we need today is just your information. You don't have to pay today. You don't have to commit to anything today. Your information is all that I need. Okay? So that's the first sort of prompt. Uh, second prompt. Okay, because I, just as often as I can, I want to I lay this out there. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not a believer, right, here's what I want you to know is that, that your sin separates you from God. 
Okay, but that in his greatest act of love, the greatest act of love the world has ever seen, God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to live a perfect life and to sacrifice. This is getting to the text that we talked about. Sacrificed his life, laid it down to offer you the forgiveness of sin and the hope of eternal life. Right? Jesus loves you enough to have willfully, gladly, joyfully endured the cross to satisfy God's wrath towards your sin and to reconcile and restore you into a relationship with God. So if you've never trusted in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, for the promise of eternal life, then that invitation is, is available to you this morning. Okay, if you'd like somebody to, to pray with you, be down front here in just a moment. We can catch up after service. We'd love to tell you about Jesus' love for you, because that's really what this passage is about. It's not just about marriage. It's about Jesus who loved his church enough to give himself for his church. Okay, so that's two. Here's the third thing. If you're here this morning and you feel like the, the good weight of conviction, okay, maybe you've failed to honor and respect and submit to your husband as, as you see now that the Lord's called you to. Uh, maybe you've you failed to selflessly, sacrificially love and serve your wife in the way that the Lord has called you to. Right? Or maybe there's, maybe there's sin that needs to be confessed and repented of both to God and to your spouse in order to take that first step towards a healthier, stronger, Christ-centered marriage. Right? Then, man, that's your, that's your response this morning. Right? I, would, I would add to that Husbands, headship in the home means leadership, and leadership means taking the initiative. And so if there's sin that needs to be confessed and repented of, now's the time. Let's do that. All right, let's do that. And then I would also remind all of us, I think the word conviction gets a bad rap. It's not a dirty word. It's not bad. Conviction is a gift from God to his children, that whenever we get sort of outside of his good boundaries, he's like, nope, get back over here. Come on. So if you feel conviction this morning, it's a gift to lean into, not something to sort of extend your arm and, and push away. All right, so if you feel conviction and confession, repentance before God with your spouse, okay? And here's the fourth Here's the fourth prompt. Maybe all of this sounds really good in theory. You're like, I'm, I'm digging what you're saying. The only problem is you don't know my experience. Right? Maybe things aren't the way that you wish they were in your marriage. Maybe uh, you feel like you're the only one willing to invest in your marriage. Maybe... Uh, Maybe things in your marriage feel like they are broken and fractured beyond repair. I don't know what it is, and quite honestly, I don't need to know what it is. Because the Lord knows, he sees, he understands. And so what I would encourage you is, I do know that where the ideal is lacking, that God's grace abounds, and his grace is sufficient. And so if you find yourself in a, a situation this morning that you're like, man, I would love to be a part of that. I just, I don't know how that's going to work in my relationship. Um, 
then here's what I would say. There are, we would love to pray with you and for you. There are men and women here that have kind of been where you are before, right? Or uh, have walked through it. Men and women here that maybe you're still in it, but they would love to pray with you and for you in that. Right? We don't always have clean sort of answers and solutions to everything here, but, but the Lord always invites us to pray, right? He always invites us to pray. So if you're here and you're like, man, I, I like the idea. I just don't know how that's going to work. Can we pray with you and for you? We, we'd love to do that. But again, you've got to let us know. Okay? And so as we respond this morning, the band's going to come up. They're going to lead us in uh, one more song. And then um, and if you want to come and pray, we'll be here. Altars are open. You want to be prayed over. The altars are open. Uh, and then we're also, as you can see, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. So uh, here's the instructions on that. As the band comes and leads us in a song, um, that's your time to respond. Again, you want to come pray, you come pray. But if you want to come forward, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, grab uh, the, the bread, grab the juice. And if you'll take that back to your seat, just hold it there for a moment. I'll come up and we'll receive that together as a church family here in just a few moments. All right. But uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going we're gonna to respond as the Lord leads. Father, I come to you this morning and um, I'm just thankful for this vivid illustration, this vivid picture that you give us of your love for us, of, of Jesus, of your love for your church in, in marriage. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that you would... Um, First, help us to see that, that above all else, that, that you love us, that you have sent your son to willingly, selflessly sacrifice his life for us. And if there's any here this morning that has never believed that, never turned from their sin and trusted in you, then I, I pray that Lord, today would be a day that they do that. That you'd give them the boldness and courage to man, ask someone that's sitting next to them or to come and ask me or um, or how to step into that relationship with you. And then, Father, for those of us in here that are, Lord, married, and Lord, we feel the weight of this word to, to submit to our husbands or to selflessly sacrifice and serve our wives, I pray that you would help us to do that. Um, or that you would guide us to do that by your spirit. Lord, our sinful, broken nature, and we, we by default, we don't, we don't want to submit. We don't want to sacrifice ourselves for the good of others. And, and we, so we need a work of your spirit to do that faithfully and consistently. And I, I pray that you would, you would move us towards that. Lord, where, um, where sin needs to be confessed and repented of this morning, I pray that you would prompt uh, us to do that or that the first step towards a healthy Christ-centered marriage would be um, Lord just on, on equal ground before one another and, and ultimately Lord, uh, Lord purity of hearts before you so I pray that you would do that in us this morning and then Father I just am, feel prompted to pray for those who and who love the idea of investing in their marriage but they look at it and they would say, I, it feels like a one-sided battle. 
feels like I'm the only one willing to give. I'm the only one willing to invest. And I, I don't know what to do in those situations, Lord. My heart breaks. So I just pray for those men, those women in here this morning that that might be their story. Just pray that you would sustain them through the difficult season that they find themselves in. I, um, but even in this moment, I feel just compelled to pray for those that, that aren't married. It's always strange to preach a sermon on marriage and know that you're preaching to people who that's just not their story right now, not their phase of life for whatever reason. Maybe it's previous marriage didn't work out. Maybe it's they have not yet stepped into the marriage relationship and, and, and desire to. But I, I don't know the situations, the circumstances. I just pray for those dear brothers and sisters that, um, or that you would give them grace in this. Or that they would, even in a sermon really focused on marriage, that they would still, if nothing else, see that, that you love them. That Jesus, that you love them enough to have sacrificed your life for them. I pray that would encourage them this morning. So Father, I just pray that you would lead us to to respond as you would have us to uh, and help us to be, help us to be submissive as your church to do that, to respond as you would have us. Lord, we love you, praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.